0: T.C. Hale is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or license in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only, and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off of me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe, and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer.
1: First day, everybody in the new digs, the new, yeah, the new hangout, yeah. the new studio.
0: I finally found my script. Uh huh.
1: Maybe sound yeah. Will. I feel
0: like I'm in a hole, but I guess it
1: doesn't yeah. matter. Nah, I'm at it's least fine. Right? Yeah. So, but having the scripts, you're gonna know words to say. You yeah, won't have to just make them up. That's true. That's we true. scripted the entire show today, just to see how that would go. Every, Will, did you memorize every your lines? bit of it? Uh huh. Nice. That part right there. It's pausing. No, it was good, but uh, Will was supposed to say all of it, but oh. he improvised a little bit and said every bit of it, so we're already off script a little bit. Maybe we should just start over. Uh,
0: or maybe I can just introduce Will. Okay. Uh, Hottie Patati Will Schmidt, I'm sitting really close to him right now because of the...
1: Uh, Acoustic arrangement. here,
0: yeah.
1: Hi, Will. Hi. That was unscripted. That was. Yeah.
0: Okay, so today we've got more Ask Tony questions. She's nailing
1: that one now. She really knows how to say Ask Tony Uh now.
0: And if you haven't liked us on Facebook, go ahead and go to Kick It In The Nuts. That's where we post all of our show topics that we'll be doing in the future, and you guys can ask us any questions you want us to cover or even give us ideas on shows you want us to do.
1: And even though we moved our studio, Facebook did not make us move our Facebook page. That's That's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's because we're important. Uh Uh-huh. It's probably what it is. So uh, today, why don't we jump into some questions? And uh, we're 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 kind of moving uh, at a at a hefty pace.
0: All right, John from Melbourne, Australia. In your book, your journey started. Your journey. Oh, okay. in your book, your journey started with a throat problem that doctors could not cure. Did you find out what the issue was? I am a sixty-one-year-old singer, and I have a throat problem. granulomus and can't sing. Granulomas are supposedly caused by gastric reflux. Just started reading your book, and I hope it will help. Any specific things you could suggest that may assist? Thanks, John.
1: Yeah, John, way over in Melbourne, Australia. You must be asleep right now, so you'll probably miss this. I guess it's recorded, so it's no big deal. So, now keep in mind that it's different for every person, like we know, but for me, it ended up that my shoes were on too tight. And so that's, <laughs> Talk
0: about Mr. Helpful, yeah. Tony Wednesday Award today. Mr. Helpful. Mr. Helpful, Mr. Helpful. It's like yeah. we're
1: set up to help him, and you give him that. I uh, know. No, uh, <laughs> no he we
0: woke up and he's listening. And
1: yeah, uh, can you imagine? It took me eight years to figure out that my shoes were just tied too tight. That's <laughs> that I that would, that would feel a little yeah. bit silly at that point. Um, but uh, you know, with granulomas, as that's what they're saying that you have, that's kind of a change in the tissue structure a little bit, and it can really happen at different places in the body. But if it's happening in your throat or to your vocal cord area, larynx, all that kind of stuff, um, odds are good that, yes, it is very likely that it's caused by some type of reflux. There, there can be other causes, but most commonly it's it's a reflux issue, and the acid is coming back up and it's burning your vocal cords and just restricting their ability to recover and repair because basically we all damage our vocal cords a little bit every time we open our mouth. So Kenna is damaging her vocal cords all day, like ah, nonstop.
0: Funny.
1: No, but uh, a lot of people have a, a better ability to... Uh, allow those tissues to repair. Like, you look at a lot of the big opera singers, and you can kind of tell that they're very anabolic sometimes just by looking at them, and being overly anabolic helps your body repair much faster, so they're able to really tear apart their throat when they're singing all crazy. Do you want to do a sample of how it goes, Kenna, opera? good so they do that all night um and they're damaging the throat but since they're all so anabolic and their body's kind of stuck in that repair and rebuild phase they repair and rebuild very well and they're able to tour and knock it out like that every night
0: which makes sense when i was singing in, in dallas in this group and we were touring all around dallas and we would literally sing and then we would party until like four in the morning and then get up and sing again the next day now i could not do that my throat would be thrashed but I was anabolic.
1: Right, you so were very anabolic.
0: in itself, even after those beers and cigarettes.
1: Now, when you were partying until 4 in the morning, were you an opera singer at that time? No, I don't but see I was, opera singers I, doing I, a lot I, of partying. No, I
0: wasn't an opera singer, but I was in a girl group and sang, and we sang really, like, hard, intense songs with, you know, a lot of, like, belting.
1: Like menudo stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah. Those are good yeah, bands. Yeah. Um, so what I like to see people do is is, uh, you know, for me, there was a variety of issues that were causing it. I did have the reflux stuff, and mine was caused uh, by a hiatal hernia. So, when you have a hiatal hernia, um, that little valve, the lower esophageal sphincter, can't always close correctly, and so I was getting reflux. But the first step is to fix any reflux issues, and with most people, it's not a hiatal hernia. So... Uh, For more in-depth info, we'll we'll go over it a little bit real quick, but for more in-depth stuff, go to kickitnaturally.com, and in the search box, just put in reflux, and you'll find our episode on reflux, and on that page, there's also some notes that Will wrote up, and there's also a video that I made kind of talking about how to fix it, but... The most common things of reflux, the most common cause is what, Will, Wolfgang, Hadi, Pitati Schmidt?
2: (laughs) I got a lot of acronyms or middle names. But yeah, the most common cause is actually insufficient hydrochloric acid production in the stomach.
1: And why the heck would that cause reflux? Yeah, good question.
2: And it's also confusing because most people think they have too much acid when they're getting reflux. So hearing this is like, what are you talking about? But when you don't have enough acid in your stomach, then bacteria can live there, and they create exotoxins that are alkaline in nature, like the waste products of like yeast fermenting stuff. It creates waste products that are usually alkaline in nature, and uh, th- those alkaline exotoxins will interact with the stomach acid that is present, and it creates a bubbly, fizzy mess, like an elementary school volcano, ex- like science fair. Experiment. Yeah, it's a good time. So that creates pressure, which causes. Um, the valves of the of the stomach to slip open, the, lower, the LES, the lower esophageal sphincter, will slip open due to that pressure, and then the contents of the stomach will get regurgitated, and there's enzymes in there that can damage the tissue of the esophagus, enzymes from the gastric acids and right. gastric secretions, as well as some degree of acidity, and. It's usually not enough acid to kill off the bacteria, but it is enough acid to damage the tissues of the esophagus. The stomach lining is designed to be able to tolerate a super low pH, but the esophagus is not. So when you get relatively acidic content going into the esophagus, it'll break down that tissue and create these, these problems that John is facing. So in our Digestive Issues course, which I don't know, I don't think you mentioned yet, also at kickitnaturally.com, we talk about how to use hydrochloric acid supplementation to improve your stomach acid levels, as well as how to use other natural products to kill off the bacteria that might be in the stomach, like D-Limonene. This so other product, right. Heartburn Free, does a great job of wiping out bacterial populations in the stomach, and that will then enable you to start supplementing with hydrochloric acid to sufficiently lower the pH of your stomach, which will help keep it clean and clear of bacteria. And also that acid does the job of triggering the LES to close, shut, and tight when you eat so that you don't have any regurgitation. Because unless you have a hiatal hernia, when you have enough acid, you don't have reflux. Right.
1: And and it's important to understand the enzyme thing, too, because one of the things I did, one of the doctors that I went to said, oh, well, this is probably a reflux thing, so let's put you on this PPI, which is a proton pump inhibitor, which is what they do with pretty much anybody who has heartburn or acid reflux or GERD. And so I started taking that, and that shuts off all acid, all totally. And I became very bloated when I ate. and I didn't like that, but I was like, well, if it's going to fix my voice, that's great. Because remember, I couldn't talk at all. Oh, uh, it was heaven. Uh-huh, it was a good time for Kenna. <laughs> um, but, so I took this for a long time. Like, I was on these things for eight, nine months or more with with no improvement at all. And the reason is because... I was still creating digestive enzymes in my stomach and with the reflux, the enzymes would come up and those enzymes are made to break down protein, which is what your larynx and your vocal cords and your esophagus is all made of. So I was still getting damaged and inability to heal, um, even though my acid was completely turned off. And I also had some inflammation issues from uh, iron being too high. And I was very catabolic, where my body was having a hard time moving into where it would rebuild and repair. So that was three things I had going for me that were not very helpful in that situation. It was even worse than my shoes being tied too tight.
0: We got really good at charades and popping noises. Uh huh. Like I knew, yeah, oh, I knew exactly what that meant Uh in a charade. I was really good then. Yeah. Now you started talking again.
1: Right. Um, and just you know, the the the, the level of damage is going to vary greatly. You know, obviously John's having a hard time where he can't sing, and mine was much worse to where I couldn't talk at all. Now I've improved a lot, um, but since I do have a hiatal hernia, I have to always do things to keep it in place and do the right thing, and uh, I still haven't gotten back to the point to where I could really sing and not you know really feel it afterwards and. Probably have to rest my voice for the rest of the day if I was going to do singing or something. Sun, you yes. want to sing little campfire songs or something? Um, so, but if John, if you're able to talk now and you just can't sing, it should be a lot easier uh, to do that. But when you go through our uh, almost free digest, of course, it's fifty cents to register just because of our system now. But um, we we go in depth in about four or five different topics. One of them is uh, constipation, uh, chronic diarrhea loading and reflux is one of them that we really go into more depth so you'll be able to figure out what's going on with you and you'll also get to look at your chemistry to figure out am I too catabolic for things to heal correctly and if you are you can take steps to improve that too so when you get this taken care of I guess you'll have to sing us a song and then send it okay. to us and that's because that's fair yeah, It's just one song. Come on, John. One other curious thing
2: about the way he stated it was uh, granulomas are supposedly caused by gastric reflux, which it, uh, he doesn't say outright that for sure he feels heartburn or acid reflux happening. He just says these granulomas. And they can be caused by just a catabolic state, like if your tissue is breaking down, you don't necessarily have to have heartburn to be in common.
1: Right in. And usually, some irritation is creating that. So it could be anything. You yeah. know, with me, I had iron overload. He could have something else creating irritation. Yeah,
2: and it even could be a mechanical thing of the way he's singing. Like some people will strain and oh, create. Sure. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of exercises that singers do to ease that. And uh, one really great program we get no affiliate link from this is just it's called SingingSuccess.com. If you look up other like singing exercises that they'll take you through, will It'll really, really change the way that your voice, the, the kinds of muscle tension and articulation that occurs when you're trying to sing or speak, and uh, it can take a lot of the stress off.
1: Which is what was the first thing that I looked into, I, and I was going to this guy that was $500 every 30-minute session. Wow. wow. Yeah, it was really unbelievable. And then after that, I went ended up going to another celebrity voice coach who was almost as expensive, and um, but I really like to people. I really like to have people look at the reflux issue first. And you don't have to feel heartburn or reflux. Uh, you could still be getting it even though you're not feeling it, because after a while, the the tissues can kind of start to change in a way to try to deal with that acid, and it ends up turning more towards like a Barrett's esophagus type of situation, where those tissues are changing at the cellular level which is kind of what happens with the granuloma stuff too um so but the thing though fixing reflux i mean we hear from people all the time that have been dealing with it for decades and they fix it in a week when you do all the steps right so i like to see people just see if that's the situation do that first and See and how also that goes. just
0: things as simple as, like, don't have dairy before you sing, you know, and yeah, stuff that like that. Yeah, that bothers a lot of people, you know, right. a lot of things like that or you know, I know you got sick of people saying lemon. Yeah, try water. lemon
1: and honey, but yeah. They
0: would tell us that when we would go to contests to do that, too. I mean, so just little things on top of fixing your digestion might really help your throat.
1: Right, so there's, like, a, a level of different things you may have to try. So try the ones that cause the problem the most frequently and start working through and see what works for you.
0: If you'd like to learn how to become a health coach or even just dig into more advanced teachings for yourself or your family... This is scripted. uh Uh-huh. Go to healthprocourse.com to learn about Tony and Will's course for coaches. Registration for this course only opens to the public for about a week at a time, so be sure to register for the coach newsletter so you'll be notified when the next registration opens. You'll find more info at healthprocourse.com. Yeah. See? I got a script today. Yeah. All right, Denise... From Napa, California. I and left out a letter. My question is, what is your opinion on Choline as a supplement for liver health? And she had written choline earlier. So that's why she said she and left out a letter.
1: Oh, it was whole Okay, yeah. sweet. Um, so, Choline, we, we have quite an opinion on this. And there's some situations.
0: Choline, 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 Choline.
1: We yeah. actually did the singing part of the show earlier. <laughs> oh, okay. You were there for that.
0: Yeah. That was before my microphone was fixed, though. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, so you sounded better now. Yeah. You want to do all this opera stuff yes, over again? Yes, one
0: more time. <laughs> all
1: right. So, choline is great for if you're just looking at liver health, and the reason that it is is because it helps to thin bile so that bile can flow better. So, why is that good for a liver, Will?
2: Well, that's, I mean, it's not just good for the liver, it's good for the whole family. Yeah, the yeah. whole family See, of bodily systems.
0: What's good for the goose is good for the gander.
2: Okay. <laughs> wow. Ken is in her zone. <laughs> um, so, biofo is really important for multiple reasons. Detoxification, fat emulsification, neutralization of stomach acid after it does its job in the
1: it has lots of duties. Yeah, it really does. It focuses on duty. duty. It's one of its duties is point, duty. Yeah. So
2: we have lots of to- – That's like not helpful. Lots of times like our whole digestive issues like podcast episodes and full course and I talk about like the significance of liver but uh, and bioflow. But choline, as well as like the beet leaf extract that we recommend from beet flow and some other particular amino acids can be useful in helping uh, bile to be the right consistency so that it flows well, which is really critical because the body uses bile to send toxins out through the liver. And it also uses bile to uh, help emulsify fats like the soap that breaks down fats. Right. And
1: it's really common for bile not to flow well. And then those toxins that would be leaving the body through that bile kind of stick around and accumulate and start to cause trouble so it's a really big deal
2: yeah yeah so choline helps that to flow um in i think usually i don't know if in all forms of choline but in at least ones that we usually will recommend it also has an effect on blood ph which is
1: really important and and will help us understand why we don't tell everybody to just use choline yeah
2: because like oh like like beet leaf is a different sort of matter, unless you have some very rare allergy to beet leaf, which I've never seen. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of generally helps bioflow, but choline helps bioflow, but it also has a metabolic influence where it can make the bloodstream be a little bit more alkaline, which is not good for everyone. Like you may think, oh, it's great to alkalize. Yeah, Don't we all that? want it? Right. Yeah. So everyone is told, like, oh, we all need to alkalize, which is just not true. If your bloodstream gets too acid or too alkaline, you get big, big, big problems like death and stuff.
1: You don't want death. So. <laughs> but even before death, um, I think more problems turn, end up coming up from the blood-leaning too alkaline because it's a, it's a really big deal. And I bet you like to talk about some of the problems that come with that. I do.
2: Yeah, I do. It's one of, Phil, um, it's one of um, Will's favorite topics. We know all too well firsthand from being too alkaline. Um, but basically the body has lots of compensatory mechanisms to help regulate pH and it's kind of better at, it's better at being able to deal with too much acidity because you can like increase the rate at which you're exhaling and help off gas, extra acids, but it's not as good at dealing with extra alkalinity. It doesn't have as like as effective mechanisms to help regulate that. So when your blood gets too alkaline your breath rate will slow down more and more as your body tries to balance out the ratios of oxygen to carbon dioxide. So to try to hold on to more carbon dioxide to get the bloodstream to be more acidic and choline can kind of push the scale in that direction of being more alkaline. And for someone whose breath rate is already slow, if they're already having issues with carbon dioxide production at the cellular level and their blood pH is leaning alkaline, like a lot of diabetics, will be, right. they'll be leaning very alkaline and have a slow respiratory rate. And when we say that.
1: leaning alkaline, we're talking about at the bloodstream level. When people talk about, oh, you're too acid or too alkaline, they're talking about all kinds of different things, and they basically don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So when we say this, we're talking about the bloodstream.
2: Component. Yeah, it's not the same as your urine pH. or right. sli- sli- They could be anywhere. Your urine pH could be really alkaline or really acidic, and that does not reflect where your blood pH is at. A much better way to assess that is looking at your breath rate And there's other factors, too, that can kind of affect your breath rate, like fear, like the nervous system state, adrenaline. But in general, when people's metabolic rate is slow, and they're not doing a great job of utilizing glucose and creating energy out of it, then they'll be making less carbon dioxide, and then that will cause them to breathe less frequently. So when you take choline, that could push them even further in that problematic area so if your breath rate is uh, is healthy it's normally around 15 to 17 breaths per minute with you just sitting there but a lot of we'll see like the more diabetic someone is the the slower their breath rate will tend to be so they'll have breath rates as low as like four was the slowest i've ever seen yeah and if someone like that took choline it would it could really screw them up right
1: and don't think that If your breath rate is low, that means you're diabetic. That's not what it means. That's just a very common thing that we see, but not for everybody. We also see people with very slow breath rate who are not anywhere near diabetic. So don't look at it that way. But one of the biggest problems is when your blood is leaning to alkaline, it interferes with oxygen utilization. Oxygen can't get down to the cells and everything can't operate correctly. And the person's usually kind of wiped out or dealing with other metabolic issues uh, that are restricting the body's ability to function correctly. So, it's a very big deal. And uh, making that situation worse is one of the worst things you can do to a person, which is why we don't tell everybody to take choline. So, we tend to move towards beet flow, is what we use to thin the bile so it flows better. And that's going to be as good for the liver as the choline would be. Now, when we do use choline, is we find that if somebody uses beet flow and then adds choline on top of that, uh, it can really help thin the bile and boost it. But we only do that if someone's breath rate is 18, 19, 20, you know, higher. Um, uh, because then it's it's going to not only thin the bile to help it flow better, but it's going to help alkalize a bloodstream that's already leaning a little bit too acidic. Yeah, which can
2: be like a great like double win for someone, if your chemistry is right for that, say you need issues with bile support and your what we call a fast oxidizer, like someone with a rapid breath rate, burns through sugar really quickly, and maybe they're experiencing hypoglycemia or hypotension, like low blood pressure sometimes, then choline can be amazing and totally calm their their anxiety and, and help stabilize their blood sugar and it's also helpful for the liver so for certain people choline or the product we usually recommend is called choline max can be like a lifesaver
1: right and uh, so all you have to do is you can just look at your breath rate it's really easy to do it but you want to check your breath rate when you're in a calm state uh, at least two hours after a meal so your body is not focused on all these digestive functions and you want to be calm don't check your breath rate when you're running from a leopard just Relax, and you want to count in a minute how many times you inhale. Don't count inhale and exhale. Just do the inhales and how many you get in a minute. And what kind of range are we looking for for optimal?
2: Yeah, ideally, like, between 15 to 17. And one way people, I think we demonstrate how to do it in our Digestive Issues course, or if you go to mybodyofknowledge.net and type in self-test, there's a video showing how to do it there. But I like to have someone, like, lay down on a couch and maybe set their their phone with a timer on their solar plexus, and then they just start a timer at the start of a breath, and they watch how many times their, like, phone goes up and down. And then when the minute's over, like, that's your breath rate.
1: Right. Try not to watch the clock because then you tend to kind of, oh, I should yeah. get a couple Speed more so yeah. that I get 15. You're not helping anyone cheating. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're just hurting yourself really, right, Kenneth?
0: Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, cheating? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, i'm totally not listening okay
1: cool well let's go let's go to the next question i think we i you
0: i know you're talking about breath rate but i thought you were like implying my food journals back oh no day. that was oh, good times okay, back well, that then. was good times okay rick these are show ideas he's from the support group rick has rick a lot, has of, a lot of good ideas like yes. his ideas more info on minerals Which ones do the body need and how are they used? What happens in your body when you don't get enough of them? How much do you really get from sea salt?
1: So there's a lot to talk about here. I don't know that we'll cover all the minerals, but maybe let's just kind of rip through some of the more important ones and talk about some of the things that are important with those minerals. I think you kind of got to start with calcium. That's a really big one Um, because without calcium you would just be a blob on the floor. Mm. So we know that bones are a big deal, but another thing that's really crucial is like, uh, you know, is only like 1% of the calcium in your body is not in your bones, but that 1% is probably the most important thing that's kind of going on. Um, and it's it's really important for especially a lot of the tissue level stuff or the ability for muscles to relax and contract and of course, magnesium is involved in that too. Um, but calcium is also crucial for the uh, immune system to function correctly. It kind of allows the immune system to be triggered when there's an invader and uh, without the calcium at the tissue level, which is really common for people to have it wrong. And we talk about that in our does cold. it
0: follow sugar?
1: Yes, it does. Good job, Kenna, knowing stuff. So when we eat a lot of sugar, it kind of pulls the calcium out of the tissues where it should be and that kind of turns off our immune system we talk about that in our common cold could episode that
0: also be affecting john like with his throat problems
1: who, who knows if it is some kind of viral stunt thing going on that's creating the irritation that's totally possible but not really that common that we see it but maybe uh his uh vocal cords are too tense and not have the ability to relax correctly and calcium could be involved in that um Let's look at some other things, though. And, like, things like iodine, which we know is crucial for thyroid function. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also can be a disperser that helps remove toxins from the body.
2: Yeah. So, getting an, enough and not too much iodine is can be a tricky thing and depends a lot on the individual, the kind of things they're exposed to, their pH balance range, like all these factors that go into iodine metabolism. Some
1: people are allergic to kinda of, you know have a reaction to iodine, so that can be tricky. Yeah.
2: It's it's hard. Um like when you have chlorine or fluoride in your drinking water, your the iodide in your system can get used up and you might need more of it because of that. And then in other cases you might be getting too much, like if you eat a lot of sea vegetables every day because you're on some macrobiotic diet or something like that, you might get too much iodine and that can actually suppress your thyroid. One of our favorite thinkers, the guy Ray Pete, has a general rule of thumb of like recommending shellfish once a week, which again like, may or may not be appropriate for you depending on these different things, but that's sort of a rough baseline of what might, uh, what might work well for you. But if you do have serious thyroid issues and iodine can, is like a big... Uh, concern, you should meet with an endocrinologist or someone like that to help figure out where your iodine level is at, how is your thyroid responding to it. Um, so that mineral is kind of tricky. Um, other ones that we talk about and use a lot are things like magnesium, which we'll kind of use to help people that are tending towards constipation. It's a strongly catabolic inducing mineral also, So you'll, which can be very helpful if you're too anabolic, but also might be bad if you get too much of it and you're already catabolic
1: right and it does seem like everybody needs to be getting some magnesium in some way or another but again especially when we look at things and we're looking at body chemistry you might not want like a dose of magnesium that's going to push you towards that catabolic state and you may just want to get it in lighter forms you know green vegetables and stuff like that dark dark leafy green vegetables um, let's talk for a second about selenium too, because that's not one that people talk a lot about, and that can be really important for thyroid function. Isn't that one that we like put in our protein powder yeah, just we, because it's hard to we,
2: get? Yeah, we intentionally added that in there, and that was uh, we consulted with a lot of, sort of like. Um, Holistic nutrition experts in the formulation of that, and
1: we asked Kenna questions yeah. too. Kenna was Not like, "What do you it? want
2: in it?" And she <laughs> was like in this trance state. She's like, "Selenium, no. no, But we, I, one of uh, two of the top minds that we use to help us formulate I'm that. One of those, yeah, yeah, both recommended that we add selenium in it because in there. In their comprehension of how it works in the body as well as their witnessing of what people really needed in the modern sort of world with modern agriculture and what nutrients are depleted selenium was on like the top of the list of things that almost everyone's deplete right but it's very important for uh, immune system function they've, they've been able to see like it it has well documented profoundly antiviral capacity and helping reduce uh, infection susceptibility and so with that, we included that in our complete protein product for. Just to,
1: to try and help people get a little bit extra in there, and that was when Kenna's like, "Can we put selenium in there?" And how about Jack Daniels? Yeah, yeah. little Jack. And, and, that, one well, T-H- it- Jack and yeah. that one didn't make it. Jack and Slim. That one didn't make it in there, but you they know, call it Kenna- a Slim Jim. <laughs> what
0: about potassium? People potassium people is say, huge. say eat a banana because you need potassium.
1: Or- yeah, that's not the way that I like to get it, but potassium is a really big deal for two reasons. And one is that it kind of closes that control loop of the body communicating with itself. In other words, like the brain will say to the body, hey, do this. And then the body communicates back to the brain, hey, here's what happened when you told it to do this. And without enough potassium, that here's what happened kind of doesn't happen. And a lot of people will end up with issues, even like vertigo or uh, dizzy spells or, um, you know, brain fog kind of stuff. But even more important... with potassium is its ability to keep the fluid levels right inside and outside the cells and why don't you talk a little bit will about how potassium and sodium kind of work together and Mm -hmm. how
0: could that help with like dementia and stuff like that or like
1: alzheimer's you know it it, for some people that could be a cause of issues like that but it seems to be and this is just an opinion from things that i've heard it seems that A lot of times, those issues have to deal with maybe some metals that are causing interference in those things working correctly or that have caused damage to those synapses and things that would kind of function. So, but you know, for especially people um, that have like dizzy stuff, we do see that sometimes like a potassium can be an issue there. But, anyways, potassium and sodium at the cellular level. Go.
2: Yeah. So this is this is gets to be a really complex thing that we get into more depth in our health coach training course because the science of this is kind of deep. But um, one of my, I think one of the most profound cellular biologists in our. Century was a man named Gilbert Ling who's still alive. It's like late nineties and there's actually a documentary movie coming out about him uh-huh. and his and his research. There's actually a whole body of these like rebel renegade genius cell biologists and Gilbert Ling is one of them. And he'll talk about They
1: ride around on motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. they're badass.
2: <laughs> so anyway, it they they have a very well researched and like Empirically supported alternative uh, explanation of how cells work. So alternate cell physiology. You can look up "The Living State" is this really great book that anyone who's been through like basic chemistry could probably understand. It's by Gilbert Ling, and he'll talk about this alternative understanding of how cells work. Modern medicine and modern biology will teach the this. It's called the like the bilipid membrane theory of cells, and it's essentially framing the living cell as like a water balloon and the balloon part of the water balloon is this all important membrane with this like brain it's super sophisticated and it's regulating what electrolytes are inside and out and all these important things are all attributed to the membrane
1: and there's pumps that bring things in yeah. and put them out and, like, right. different pumps for every single nutrient or exactly. mineral on the land
2: yeah and so they they every time some new like gradient like for example the amount of sodium that's kept outside the cell versus inside, and the amount of potassium that's concentrated inside the cell versus outside, they, they invent pumps, theoretical membrane pumps, right. that help control these ratios and these gradients and concentrations. And there's all these different molecules that they have to keep inventing different pumps for, different right. drug pumps. Like there's like, you know, it's like they're installing new software <laughs> on the cell membrane pump all the time. And it does not add up as far as the amount of energy that would be required to maintain these gradients, as well as some other really important things about how you can like cut a cell and it still exists. It doesn't like leak out.
1: It does.
2: It's like as if you could cut a water balloon in half and it would still hold the water and like it. it, And you you could throw
1: half at one person, half at another person and still get them all wet.
2: Yeah. So basically the evidence strongly shows that the bilipid membrane theory has some incredibly critical flaws, but that is what's taught at, in medical schools and in regular cell biology. So people like Gilbert Ling have recognized that is wrong. Like that's not how it actually works. And they've under, and Gilbert Ling has proposed this revolution in the physiology of the living cell. is actually like the subtitle of his book. And it helps explain these gradients and how they're maintained through what he calls the association induction hypothesis. And there's a lot of different um, components of that, but basically, it's that cell proteins are regulating electrolyte distribution as well as a lot of other functions of the cell.
1: And regulating, you mean what goes in the cell and what is, goes out the cell? Exactly. Because there's always a lot of these minerals and nutrients that exist inside a cell and outside the cell, and they like to do it at this specific ratios and to make everything work correctly. So when they start to get out of whack, it can cause a lot of problems.
2: Yeah so like the concentrations of like potassium inside the cell versus outside or calcium inside the cell versus outside they're maintained primarily through healthy cellular metabolism so when the cell is healthy it creates plenty of atp and carbon dioxide and it it augments the proteins it's called protein folding it it augments their relationship to the electrolytes and what electrolytes are allowed to like sneak in and get bound to the proteins and which ones are are kept outside and the biggest takeaway really for this conversation I think is when cellular energy production is flailing like if there's things getting in the way of it like if there's too much stress hormone too much estrogen or too many polyunsaturated fats interfering with the way the cell proteins are supposed to do their job then they start to lose control of the their regulatory capacity their ability to distribute electrolytes where they should be their ability to control cell hydration levels the amount of water the organization of the water molecules inside and outside the cell and then all all sort of shit hits the fan when he and, said bad word yeah
1: and so that's kind of a big deal because you know you you want those cells to function correctly so it can cause a, a, such a huge wide variety of problems that people get a little bit lost in what the actual underlying cause of some problems are going on. So, um, not only is this important to have both these, all these minerals in the correct place, but if you become deficient in certain ones, you're certainly going to start causing problems. So, we really do want to see all of them. Um, You know, this could be a whole show just on that topic, but, uh, you know, some other things to look at are things like zinc, um, which are have been shown to be very important for immune function, but also we understand that it's important for the body's ability to make hydrochloric acid, and that also brings us to chloride, mm-hmm. which is the hydrochloric acid, and chloride is needed for that, but also for all these other reasons as well.
2: Yeah. A lot of people got scared of salt, I think, from a lot of like government hype, maybe about, oh, it creates hypertension, but actually it doesn't It doesn't really do that. It can help control blood pressure and osmolarity, and, and it also contributes that necessary chloride element to make hydrochloric acid, as you said. So um, in looking at the way the body's able to actually regulate sodium, it becomes less scary to consume it, and right. we start to become more aware of things like, say, for example, you eat a bunch of starch and it spikes your insulin levels. Then your bloodstream becomes more sodium retentive and you get like the bloating from it. But when you understand, oh, that was the mechanism of it. Not it not be- the salt's fault. Yeah, it wasn't whether, you, whether or not you ate salt. It was did you spike your insulin and that made you feel bloated or whatever. Right.
1: And one thing Rick asked was... How much do you really get from sea salt? And keep in mind that all salts are not created equal. They are, they you know can be different in uh, the quality and the amount of nutrients that are in them. Um, one of those sea salts that I really like, uh, that seems to have the highest level of minerals in it, is um, it's from Celtic sea salt and it's called Flower of the Flowers Sea, Flowers of the Ocean, Flower of the Sea or Flower mm-hmm. of the Ocean or something like that. Um, that might be right, but it's like $20, $30 or something for a bag. It's, it's, it's more expensive, but uh, I do notice the difference in very electrolyte-deficient clients when they use it and when they're not using it. So that doesn't mean that you can get everything you need from a really good quality sea salt, but I think that sea salt is a very easily accessible way to get a lot of those minerals. Um, it's still really about digestion, and your ability to get all the minerals out of the food that you're eating, and then eating a higher quality food along with a wider variety of foods to get a wider variety of nutrients in and-
0: there.
2: Yeah, I, I think a big thing to point out too is the quality of the food that you're consuming to get all these different broad-spectrum nutrients. And- if you look into it, you may see um, posts sort of dissing organic produce, saying like, oh, the mineral content isn't necessarily any better in organic versus conventional foods. And a lot of times that's true. They just they're just
0: not getting the pesticides. Yeah,
2: the so that's the great thing. They're not getting the toxins from it. But there's a step further you can go with food production where it's called like nutrition farming. And with that, they... They really care about the nutrient levels in the soil, as well as the biology in the soil, like the mycorrhiza and fungi, that they're like the intestinal flora. In your case, Like they help nutrients get from your food to your cells. Same thing in the soil. When you practice sustainable agriculture and nutrition farming, you'll have a lot of those fungi in the soil that help the minerals from the dirt Get to the plants, and when you test the nutrient levels of those produce compared to it's again, it's crazy high. Yeah. It's like the spinach Popeye eats. You know, it's like right. it's supercharged. Uh, and you can learn more about that in uh, from a nonprofit that my friends run called the Soil Story, or um, it's the the nonprofit's called Kiss the Ground, but their website is thesoilstory.com. And not only is it incredible for nutrient value of your food. But it also has the power to reverse global warming, because which is which is interesting. Kind to me, of yeah. blows your mind if you know, like those mycorrhizae, those same fungi that help bring nutrition from the soil to the food, also sequester carbon from the atmosphere really powerfully, way more so than trees. So if we were to switch our growing practices to
1: practice nutrition farming, I need to go to Congress.
2: Well, they're working on it, you know.
1: And it's not a thing like. Uh, these guys have created, hey, I put this biology in the soil and, I'm, and it makes magic happen. This is how the world worked until we killed this biology yeah. in the soil. Yeah. So it's not like it's a, a newfangled thing. This is how it's supposed to happen. Right. Biology is supposed to be there to transfer the nutrients from the soil into the food and then the food comes into us and we get those nutrients.
2: Yeah, it's not like a gimmick where they genetically engineered some yeah. microbe to do it. It's like that's what's supposed to happen. So right. they're just going back to that.
1: So those that's just kind of a look over some important minerals and kind of the things that we do. Maybe we'll have to do them in the whole show or something where we get in depth on maybe a few at a time because you could see that we could have gone on and on on a few of those topics and I, I had to put my hand over Will's mouth yeah, for a like, minute. But, but there's more. Uh-huh. You're right. But I would,
2: I would like to point out, um, if you want to, we have another podcast episode where we talked all about cellular energy production, didn't we? Wasn't there a full episode no, of that? I don't know. That or did I did dream think, that? I
1: think you dreamed Nina's it. I nodding. think we talked about one. We did.
2: Look up cellular energy production. That's there. Also, if you go to naturalselectionnutritionals.com, you can check out the free course, Lesson 6. I talk a lot about cellular energy production. And that ties into what we're talking about with the cell's ability to make... Uh, distribute electrolytes correctly. And then you can also YouTube Gram Sait, G-R-A-E-M-E is his first name, S-A-I-T, TED Talk. And he talks all about, uh, there's, I think his talk is called Humus, the, the story in the soil, where he talks a lot about what I was just talking about with the microbial. Cool. And that's probably the best way to get the nutrition your body needs is from your food. And the best way to get it from your food is when it's grown in that way.
0: Cool. Today, all of our listeners can get a free audiobook from audible.com. Just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook for the details. And if you'd like to learn how to look at your own body chemistry, you uh, can read any of Tony's books or take the almost free four week digestion course at kickitnaturally.com. Kick you can also go over to Will Schmidt's MyBodyofKnowledge.net. He's got a lot of interesting stuff blogs, exercises, articles, all that kind of jazz.
1: So join us next week. We're going to talk about some foods that are good to eat, maybe not as good as some people think to eat. Cool. Peace out. Bye-bye. Learn more about today's topic by becoming a KIY member and gain access to our members-only podcast episodes. That's where we dig deeper into each topic and share the secrets that help our clients and coaches see such amazing results. You'll also gain access to our private support group where you can ask us questions when you get stuck. It's only $9 a month and you get free shipping at naturalreference.com, which can save you like $9 a month. So do the math and join the Kick It Yourself K-I-Y gang. Go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash K-I-Y and we'll see you on the inside.